0: Welcome to the SBCA podcast, Component Connection, looking at how businesses around the country are innovating to take advantage of opportunities in the construction supply chain. Now, here's your host, Sean Shields.
1: Welcome, everyone. On today's podcast brought to you by the Structural Building Components Association, we are going to talk about loyalty. If you're listening to this podcast, the odds of you having a problem finding enough quality workers to do what you want to do is hovering probably right around 100%. It stands to reason that one of the most effective long-term solutions to this challenge is increasing employee retention. Keep the workers you've already invested your resources into finding, hiring, and training. To talk about this strategically, we are joined today by Jason Ward, a vice president at California Trust Frame and an expert on all things employee related. Jason, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you, Sean. I certainly appreciate it. I'm excited to be here. This is a topic that I'm very passionate about and I I can't wait to get started.
1: Well, I know I have been waiting... A long time to get you on uh, the program, so thanks for making the time. Okay, let's start by talking just a little bit about you. Uh, you've worked in HR and safety and many uh, human resource sort of related fields for many years. How did you gravitate to this field originally, and how did you end up specifically in the trust industry?
0: Okay, it's kind of a long story. Uh, a little more than twenty years ago, and for for those of you who know me, uh, you'll probably be shocked to hear this, but it started with safety. So about 20 years ago, right, I was in the Marine Corps and we were doing something. It was a lot of hurry up and wait, standing around, you know, not doing much. And I noticed that we were all standing, you know, in a formation doing some menial task, and people were like moving their legs back and forth and they were getting uncomfortable. And I went to my commanding officer and I'm like, you know, sir, I think we could use some anti fatigue mats for this. I'm just joking around. And he said, you know what, Ward, you're the new safety officer. And then ever since that point in time at every business I've ever had, whether it's where a place I've worked or something I've owned, safety has kind of gone with me. Hmm. And, you know, as I continued you know, my progression throughout my professional career, I realized that uh, I was passionate about safety, but it wasn't really the safety aspect. It was about people, but specifically people as it relates to business. So. Now, from there, I, I left the Marine Corps, did various jobs, had my own businesses, went to school, got my graduate, undergraduate degrees in business management and leadership. Um, I was working a job at biotech or in biotech, pharmaceuticals, you know, pharmaceutical manufacturing, and I was frankly bored. You know, I, I was a safety manager at the time, and I went to a uh, an environmental health and safety conference, and everyone was sitting around a table talking about you know, stories, oh yeah, I I had one of my employees lose a, you know, an arm and we had a fatality here. And then when it got time for me to to share the story, the only thing I could think of that had happened that entire year was in our, you know, four star cafeteria slash lunchroom slash, you know, restaurant that we had on site that was subsidized for the employees. Biotech was sweet, but somebody left a plastic can opener on top of our high end bagel toaster and it started to melt. (laughs) <laughs> and, yeah, right? So, I, you know, I left that meeting thinking. I'm not really being used here. <laughs> yeah, right? So I, I got bored. So I started doing a job search, and I saw that there is this place 10 minutes from my house called California Trust Frame that had an opening for a director of environmental health and safety. And I thought, well, you know, it could be a lap move. It could be a step up. I don't know. I don't even know what trusses are. Well, that, That's not right. I knew what a trust was, but I had zero understanding or concept that there was an entire industry around component manufacturing, no idea, uh, applied for the job, ended up getting the job and the rest is history. That was back in 2015, 2016. Mm -hmm. And here we are today.
1: You made this statement about how you really cared, no matter what job you had, you sort of cared about people and, and business. Can you expound on that just a little bit? I mean, like what was the connection in your mind? Like what was the motivator there for you?
0: So the motivator there, and I won't name any names, but in my first job out of the Marine Corps, I had the most horrible boss I think anyone has ever had. And it was a bunch of us as you know contractors working for the Marine Corps, doing what we did in the Marine Corps, but as civilians, and we were all former Marines, some army and whatnot. but everyone acted like you know, their previous rank mattered, and it was just every bad boss cliche you can imagine happened with this boss hmm. and I was going to work miserable every single day. And I saw that he kept getting, you know, promoted, making more money, being as horrible as you can be. And I was like, this can't be it. There has to be a better way. And that's what really um, motivated me to mm-hmm. want to go to school and find out what that better way was. You know, so yeah. I, cause I was early in my twenties, I'd already done, you know, four years in the Marine Corps got out. And really all I knew was what I would learned from, You know, whatever kids learn from their parents, what you learn from the Marine Corps. And then this little bit of time I had as a contractor for the Marine Corps, and it was horrible. And I was like, there's got to be something else out there. There has to be. And I ended up going to school. And that's why, you know, I got degrees in, in business management and leadership theory. So, and an MBA.
1: I mean, really what I'm hearing is from your personal experience, you, when you had a bad employer, what you were motivated to do was get out of there as quickly as possible, right?
0: It wasn't as quickly as possible. It was, I was probably the last one to leave because I had just had a, a child and I needed the income and all that. Uh, but I, the goal was to leave. Absolutely. I mean, everyone else was run off. I kind of stuck around as a point of perhaps stubborn pride. They're not going to beat me all the while signing up for school, laying the groundwork so that I could leave so that I could learn about a better way if there was a better way. Cause I knew for sure I wasn't staying there. I was going to yeah. be gone. Yeah.
1: All right. So but that's, let's bring that around to sort of what we wanted to talk about today. I mean, employee retention, creating sort of the environment of uh, where people are not feeling like you felt and trying to plan their exit strategy while appearing to do work on a daily basis, but are actively planning on how they can stay with a company. Let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, why is this employee retention topic? Why is it a vital aspect of a company's success? I mean, why is it worth the financial investment
0: and the time investment you have to put in to make it work. Right. Um, great, great question. And, and if you want to just talk about dollars and cents, you know, that's what seems to, to pique the interest of a lot of people. Turnover is a killer, man. I mean, the average to replace an employee at our company is on average nine grand you know after somebody leaves and then to backfill and we we're talking about the costs associated with posting the job you know HR's hours everything that goes into the programs we use to hire screen get them in the training aspect of once they're there you look at the loss of efficiency when somebody's down other people have to work harder to make up the difference of that lost person it, it it's a killer it's a game changer in terms of you know loss of uh, income and uh, you know, the replacement value is crazy, you know, and it's something that's often overlooked from, you know, the softer side of it, you lose culture. If you're losing quality employees, you're losing leadership, you're losing management, you're losing efficiency, you know, from the business perspective, it, an employee who's there engaged, happy is extremely valuable. And honestly, when you get it under control, it can be a competitive advantage.
1: Hmm. Well, it, it makes me think. It's like even if you aren't losing your veteran employees, just having that that culture of the churn and burn
0: on your production floor that has to have an impact on your morale, right? Oh, it absolutely it, it impacts morale big time. You know, at first people start to think that you know it's like oh yeah, it's only the weeks arrive and they take pride in it. But then after a while, when you do have some people sticking around, and it's only those few people sticking around, it makes it harder for everyone. So the people that are there have horrible morale because they're having to work hard. And when somebody new comes in, they already have a bad attitude because like all oh, these people are going to leave. I'm just going to have to work hard anyway. So I'm not even going to bother to teach you or show you you know, the right way. It's a killer. Turnover is horrible and it can absolutely be prevented.
1: Okay, well, let's dive into some of uh, the retention strategies that you've sort of looked at over the years. This isn't just about dollars, right? To To build loyalty, it's about something else, right? I mean what makes an employee feel like they don't want to look for
0: another job constantly. Well, another great question, right? And, and you, it's cliché and all of this information is stuff I'm sure almost everyone's already heard, right? But people quit bosses, not jobs typically. Now, I mm-hmm. saw a statistic out there, don't know how accurate it is, but 90% of the time they're quitting because of their boss, not their job. Right? And mm-hmm. you know, and, and what I noticed coming to the trust industry in this one company, you know, there was a safety deficiency, there's a job security deficiency, there's a pay gap within our area. And one of the things I learned about in school that I'm a big proponent of still is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And again, forgive me if this is redundant to a lot of you, but essentially Maslow's hierarchy of needs is a pyramid that talks about the needs of a human and everything that they aspire to be. So at the base of the pyramid, you have physiological needs like air, water, food, shelter, sleep clothing, reproduction. You have to have those base needs met. Then after that, you have safety needs, personal security, employment, resources, health, property. Right there at almost the base of the pyramid, those safety needs are almost all given or met by having a good job. So if if you have the base of a pyramid is shaky, it's not going to stand. So seeing that, you know, the something very basic that people are looking for. If you don't have a strong foundation, you're not going to be successful. Moving up the pyramid, you have love and belonging, like friendship, intimacy, family, sense of connection. Higher up, you have esteem, right? Where people want that self-esteem, status, recognition, keyword. Higher up, you have self-actualization. The desire to become the most that one can be is people work, you know, some people will work just for the transactional discipline of you work these many hours, here's your paycheck. But most of us, I believe, have this vision, this of self-actualization, this, this idea of who we want to be, you know, and we're working towards that all the time. We're trying to climb to the top of that pyramid, you know, and we can only do that by meeting our physiological needs, our safety needs, a sense of love and belonging, esteem, self-actualization. And a lot of these things, a job can provide, especially, you know, if, if you identify the fact that your employees are humans they're more than just a number as many needs of these that we, you can meet you'll have a better employee because they're motivated by, motivated by the hierarchy of needs it's a prepotency in which you know the basic needs must be more or less met prior to having the higher needs you know most behavior is is multi-motivated you know it's simultaneously determined by more than one basic need so you're not just thinking about air you can be thinking about food, shelter, You know, how am I going to pay my bills to feed my kids if my employment on the safety needs level is crap? I don't want to be here. I don't feel good about it. That affects your esteem higher up. So you have to have that balance. It's really about knowing what makes your employees tick, realizing they're complex. Each person is complex and different and has needs. And the more that you can do to address those, the better the employee is going to feel about working with you.
1: What I hear you saying, Jason, is that, you know, that, that paycheck that they get, the transactional piece of employment that certainly meets some of those needs, but that's at the base level. And if you want to foster a sense of loyalty, like, Hey, this is better than what I can get somewhere else. So I'm going to stay here. You have to address the things in
0: that pyramid higher up. Absolutely. Right. Almost all jobs, it, through that transaction or they give you that employment aspect, uh, maybe personal security that's gonna provide resources to you so that you can do other stuff. But if you're a job that provides a sense of connection that goes to that love and being level or recognition that goes to the esteem, you're helping them build up to that self-actualization. Hmm. You're making that employee feel like they belong to something, like they want to belong to something because you're not just meeting the paycheck need. You're hitting on every layer, every aspect of the hierarchy of needs.
1: Okay, Jason. Well, let's end by asking the million dollar question then. How do you believe a company should go about evaluating and then enhancing their policies, procedures, compensation, training, work environment, advancements, opportunities, all that kind of stuff? to increase the likelihood that their employees will feel loyal to the company?
0: Now, oh, that is the million dollar question. And there's no real easy answer and it's different for every company. But I think if you build a sense of trust, provide a means of recognition, even if that's just saying thank you, that is so powerful and often overlooked telling your employee thank you, even if it's, yes, you're paying them for that job. That's the thanks, you know, that, that's your way of saying thank you by verbalizing, saying thank you, shaking that hand, that's free, it doesn't cost you anything and it makes the employee feel better, right? Create a recognition program and support the whole employee, right? Don't just think about the employee at work. If you have the ability, the means to you know, provide things to help them even while they're at home through you know, employee assistance programs, et cetera, the less they worry about at home, the better performance they'll have at work. Do what you can to help them climb that hierarchy. And two more things, right? Don't fake it. You know, if if you say and do all the right stuff, but you really don't believe it as a company, they'll know it. And in the Marine Corps, we used to say, fake it till you make it. This is one instance where you can't fake it because they will know. And then the last thing I would say, or I guess two more things I would say, from a business side, remove any ambiguity around expectations, earning potential, performance feedback, talk to your employees, give them the tools to succeed. People don't fear change. They fear a lack of information and how they'll adapt to the change. If you talk to them and say, hey, you know, this is exactly what I expect through these metrics. Here's what you could earn. If you perform this well, you can go up to this level. And you talk to them constantly about performance. You're, you're meeting another one of those levels. You're giving them the tools to succeed. That's something you can do from a business side. And then I guess the last thing I would say is you absolutely have to do it. you you can't just talk about it. You have to implement it. You have to take action. It's not easy. If you wanted to create a culture from the ground up and make it stick, it typically takes about three to four years. But ultimately, you you just have to to do it. I don't want to, you know, infringe on anyone's copyright or trademark or anything like that. But really, that's what it is. Execute. Make it happen. Have that drive. And it'll work.
1: Well, Jason, I have to admit that I don't want this podcast to end, but we need to. So thank you for all of your insight and for being on the
0: podcast. Absolutely. Anytime. I love this stuff.
1: Well, if you've enjoyed what you've heard, please give this podcast a favorable rating and share it with others. Also, consider subscribing to SBCA's Component Connection podcast on whatever platform you use most. That way you'll immediately know when we publish our next podcast. This
0: has been a Component Connection podcast brought to you by SBCA. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover in a future episode, send it to podcast at sbcacomponents.com.